Welcome to the Life Works Living Well podcast. I'm your host, Mark Hennick. First of all, Happy New Year. We took a few weeks off in order to rest and recharge, and now we're back with some brand new conversations about what it means to live well, mentally, physically, socially, and financially. An important part of our total well-being is our fitness. It's a perennial resolution around this time of year. Later on in this episode, I'm going to be speaking with Stephanie Mansour. Stephanie is a nationally recognized health and fitness expert and a contributor to the Today Show. She's going to give us some insights into what motivates people to get in shape and uh, also some practical strategies for sticking with it. And a reminder, most importantly, I think, about the importance of taking time to recover. But first, I'm going to chat with Lynn Keane. Lynn is a speaker, author, and former broadcast journalist. Since losing her son Daniel to suicide in 2009, which she wrote about in her book, Give Sorrow Words, she's been a passionate advocate for suicide prevention and mental wellness. As an avid runner and athlete, physical fitness has played a key role in her journey. In Lynn's latest effort, a four-part series, she's exploring the journey through the themes of courage, movement, endurance, and transformation. Here's my conversation with Lynn Keane. Lynn, welcome to Living Well. Thank you, and Happy New Year to you, Mark. To you as well. Now, before we get into your most recent effort that I just mentioned at the top to raise mental health awareness through physical fitness, you've called that your your Radical Transformation Series. I'd like you to set the stage for our listeners and viewers uh, in the context of our conversation today, um, especially for those who might not be familiar with your story. I had you on my other show as well. And and for those who have read your book, your story so um, heartbreaking, but also, I think, comforting and inspiring. Um, so share with us what your your motivation is behind your transformation. What's the what's the why behind what you're doing right now? I think um, such a great question, and I, I I was thinking about it um, when we were ta- we were talking the last few days. It's, it's such an organic process. I don't even know that I was aware that I was sort of having this transformative experience the last twelve years, um, losing. Um, or, or sort of experiencing trauma at the level of losing a child to suicide really um, gives you a few options. And, and, and one of the options is to be immobilized and be stuck. And, and I certainly was for, for several years. Um, but through doing the work of trying to heal myself, um, I think you recognize that you not only live life at a different level than a lot of people around you, um, you find a, um, a greater purpose to your life, which has been my advocacy and my writing and, and speaking. Um, the other aspect of what has healed me is staying in motion and stay, sticking with my running and jumping into to triathlon and, and that kind of thing. And, you know, again, I've been reflecting the last few months um, after I did this large training block towards an Ironman that got canceled. Um, that's another story. Um, I recognize that there's these two worlds were converging. And then I was, um, it struck me that I thought this might resonate um, trying to trying to illustrate the, the shifts and the changes one goes through in grief and through just change um, after life altering events. And then what do we do to affect change? And then how do we come out um, in sort of how do we move forward? Um, you know, not leaving behind, but how do we as, as humans move forward? Um, and what does that purpose look like? So I, it's a lot, has a lot of tentacles to it, but it, 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 it turned into this sort of radical transformation that I've experienced over the past 12 years. Yeah. You know, I, I think that a lot of people can at least appreciate a small corner of the grief and trauma that comes in the immediate aftermath of a loss like yours, losing your son to suicide. You know, some can appreciate that more than others directly because more people than we think have actually been through it too. 
Um, mm. But I think a lot of people can kind of get at least a bit of it. Um, fewer, though, I think, consider the journey that follows in the years, the many years that follow. You know, it's been said that we don't move on from grief, but rather move on with grief. Uh, and you said in, in one Absolutely. of your posts, something that really affected me, it was that that pushing your body is a healing act. Uh, so tell me about that. Tell me about the role that playing physically, uh, th that staying physically active, rather, has played not only in your coping in the immediate aftermath of losing your son, but maybe even finding a place of, of thriving, uh, of health, uh, after such a such catastrophic loss? I think, um, I think the years prior to, to losing Daniel were so instrumental because of for, say, a period of 10 years prior to his passing, I had been a long-distance runner. And I think those years of pushing my body and um, you know, having such a focus and being committed and being disciplined as an athlete you know, through the process of of grieving really allowed me to say, first of all, what is it that I can, what can I do? And that those first few steps were in a very short run two days after we lost Daniel and literally getting out of the house and putting one foot in front of the other was the beginning of moving with grief and, you know, all of the, all of the periods that you go through and, and sort of they, they merge and um, but literally the years prior to the law, to my loss was really what sort of set me up to have this, um, this resilience that I don't know that I would have necessarily had, had I not um, worked so hard on being such a phys being so physical for so many years, subsequent to, to Daniel's suicide, I think it was, there was this, um, you know, everything dropped, fell apart immediately. But when, when I knew that I could start to move again, as I mentioned I just kept going back to that. So two weeks later, I ran a half marathon. And then two years later, I went back to Boston for the fourth time. I, I kept knowing that that was my, that was my North star was, is to keep running, keep moving my body. Because when I finished that, even though I was in the midst of deep grief, I had a window of opportunity to feel something other than pain. So that I hung on to. And, um, over the years, it's just, as I said, I, I think, um, you know, prior to, to our, our, our tragedy, I think I was living sort of, I, I call it the sweet safety of the middle where you don't really have to, you know, you can kind of just go along. And then when you're stopped in your tracks one day, it's life before and life after when, as you come through that, you recognize you're living diff you, you live life at a different level. Hence I push boundaries away. I, I thought, well, you know, there's no reason why I can't do that. There's no reason why I can't train to do an Ironman. There's no reason I can't complete it. And honestly, I don't know that I would have thought of that before. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have pushed myself out there to be such an advocate. I mean, I never had to. So I think there's, as, as you know, nobody wants to be where I am or so many others are, so many parents. But I think the point is we all find ourselves in periods of trauma. It's how do we, how do we take what we have, that experience, and heal ourselves, number one, work and heal our family. And then how do we, how do we have forward progress? And for me, movement really was the elixir. Yeah, I mean, really, what, what are you going to do with it? You can't, you can't change it, so you might as well do something with it. And, you know, you've done so much with, with your trauma, with your grief in, in mental health advocacy and suicide prevention, as well as raising awareness of physical health, too. I think that's a, a necessary um, objective, too. So tell me For about sure. this most recent um, effort that you're engaging in, this, this four-part Radical Transformation series. Tell me more about that, what it is, and, and what do you hope to accomplish with it? 
So um, I had mentioned that I, I had been training for for the last two years. So just before um, the pandemic, I had I had signed up to to do this um, Ironman in California, and um, the the sort of the last month prior to um, to to going down to California, I just had a realization. It was just this this you know when you have those moments where you you stop and you write something down, and it was like this realization of the growth. And it was more it was a matter of not only seeing the physical. Uh, self change, but I re- recognized there was such a there was a lot of emotional growth that I've had over the, these past twelve years, and I could I had such um, I felt privileged to actually recognize growth within myself, and I don't know that we don't stop to necessarily recognize our own the things that we do, or, or and I, I, I so I, from that and from this sort of really hard training for two years, um, and then getting to the event and an hour before it's canceled because of an extreme weather event. I came home and I, I thought, well, what do I, what do I do with this fitness? And then I thought, well, start writing about it. And I think it was really just a question of, of taking this two-year training odyssey that I've been on and then merging that with this 12-year transfer, transformative experience. And so radical transformation is, as you mentioned, four parts. Um, and essentially, it's really to say to all people is, how do we, how do we use that courage that we're born with? on the, on every day, you know, how do we, we all have this deep well, sometimes we have to experience trauma to be able to access it. But my belief is that we're born with it. Um, and then, then how do we celebrate the things that we do do? Just, you know, how do we show up for people in the, in the everyday world? How do we take up space in that world? I, I think these are things to be celebrated. And through these, the four parts of the transfer transformation photo essay on Instagram, I'm shedding a little light on my journey, but hoping that it might resonate with others to say, you know, that's kind of something similar, or I get that part of it. And um, so really, it's it's just one person's journey, but really, I'm trying to reflect out all the other journeys that I've sort of seen as well. Yeah, and you know, those sharing these personal stories are so important. I mean, this you know this already. This is what I do as well, and it it gives people license as though they need it because I don't think they do right. to share their story too. Right? It 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 opens yes. up that that door just a little bit. And from the response that I've been watching on these posts so far, it seems like it's it's very effective. So thank you for doing that. Well, thank you. I think I think at the. Um, at the end of the day, yeah, it's not about perfection. I, I look at it; it's it's life is always going to put mountains in our way, um, but it's it's how do we how do we keep making forward progress? And I, I think, um, and then I look at again going back to my own journey. I've also come to a place where I'm so intentional, whether it be in my writing or advocacy or in my physical activity. It's I'm very intentional, and I and it, that also could just be um, a part of aging as well. You know, you, you get to a point and you think, okay, well, I'm really comfortable with this. Um, not necessarily comfortable, but I, I feel very intentional on, on the, the things that I get involved in today, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. There's a certain coherence, I think, that comes with maturity when everything starts to gel together. So, you know, yeah. uh, Lynn, that, that's all the time I have. I could talk to you forever. Unfortunately, we only <laughs> had a, a short amount of time today. But thank you so much for joining me and, and sharing your story. Where can people find out? Uh, more about your journey, your transformation, as well as more about your work. So if they're online, um, they can go to my website at lynnkeen.ca. The series will be up there next week, um, as well as uh, just go to Lynn, uh, lynnkeen underscore seven on Instagram, and the series is live there right now. 
Lynn Keen, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Mark. In our changing world, there is an unchanging principle for success that inspires us. By improving a person's life, we'll improve how they perform at work. We are LifeWorks. We are the world's leading total well-being provider. We are innovators with tech-enabled solutions. Our mission is to improve people's lives by supporting the whole person, their mental, financial, physical, and social well-being. These people are the heart of successful organizations, leading these organizations to a more resilient future and making a real difference in the world and in our communities. Improving lives, improving business. We are LifeWorks. Welcome back to the LifeWorks Living Well podcast. I'm your host, Mark Hennick. Stephanie Mansour is a nationally recognized health and fitness expert. She's the host of Step It Up with Steph on American Public Television. She's also a regular fitness contributor on the Today Show, and she's been seen on CNN, Dr. Oz, as well as more than 50 other programs. Now, before I roll that conversation, those of you who are watching this episode on YouTube or on my social channels, you're going to notice a couple of things. My glasses and hair are different, and it may look a few weeks younger. That's because we recorded this conversation earlier. Now, we actually do that all the time, and I try to match them up as best as I can, but that wasn't an option this time because I don't have those glasses anymore. Uh, They got run over by a truck. It's a long story. Actually, it's not that long of a story. That's the whole story. They got run over by a truck. Anyway, here's my conversation with with health and fitness expert, Stephanie Mansour. I spent a few years in Chicago myself. I went to graduate school there. I love that town. I, I see that you're from Chicago as well. Yes, I'm based here. And you know, we love our food, but but we also love our fitness. So <laughs> it's a great combo. <laughs> I used to love running uh, by the lake. Not many people think of Chicago as a beach city, uh, but it very much well, is. Yeah, it's beautiful. I love the only time I actually run outside, though, is if I'm running to an ice cream stand or a hot dog stand in the city. <laughs> Otherwise, I like to take my strolls along the lake. <laughs> to Petrillo's. Is Petrillo's still there? Oh, yes. Portillo's. Yes. Portillo's. Yes, Thank you. Yes. Oh, my God. Don't tell anybody that I mispronounced it. Yeah. <laughs> no, I thought it was a Canadian accent. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, hot dogs and, and great Chicago food aside, I wanted to have you on to talk about uh, fitness, physical fitness, because this show is, you know, one one fourth of what we talk about here is physical fitness. But I don't talk about anything in isolation or in silos. Physical fitness is a, a key part of our mental health, really of our, our total well-being. So I'm interested in uh, talking to you since you coach people on fitness, on weight loss, women in particular, uh, on what are some of the common goals that people bring to you when they first call you up or meet you online or or if we ever meet in person again, uh, what are the yeah. usual goals that people first approach you with? Yeah, you know, Mark, it's that old saying, sell them what they, what they want, but give them what they need. So I, I sell, you know, weight loss coaching. And as a weight loss coach, you know, yes, I'm going to help you lose weight. And my clients come to me, whether they want to lose five pounds or 50 pounds, they just haven't been able to find a plan, a program, a diet, a workout regimen that works, you know, for the long run. So maybe they've lost weight in the past, but once they go off that diet or stop working with that trainer or give up that exercise program, they gain it all back. So they're looking to not only lose weight, but also to maintain that weight loss. 
And a lot of their reasons, Mark, you know, range from more vain reasons, like wanting to, you know, be able to fit into all their clothes that are in their closet, or they've spent thousands of dollars on wardrobes, and they want to be able to wear it. Others, you know, are either recently single or haven't found a partner and feel like their weight is holding them back from feeling confident enough to put themselves out there. And still others, you know, are high level executives, they're seeing themselves on big screens at conferences or even on television. And they're very unsatisfied with with how large they look or how bloated their face looks. And they just don't like what they see in the mirror. So they really want to get to the bottom of, you know, why they can't just stick to it. And, you know, they're successful in their professional lives, some in their personal lives, their um, social lives. But why can't they just crack this weight loss nut when it comes to their own health and well-being? Do you think that there's something deeper going on below there, though? You know, I mean, we all have challenges, I think, with our self-esteem, or many people do. I know I do. Uh, yeah. There's all often, you know, how the relationship that we've learned to have with food, for example, the relationship that we learn to have with ourselves, with our own appearance. So how do you see that playing out as people do start to look and feel better? Um, how does it alter their their image, I guess, in that way? Yeah, that's actually the reason why I got into health and fitness in the first place is because I wanted to empower people, especially women, women, because I'm a woman and I can relate best with women. You know, we're a little more complex and complicated and have more hormones going on than men. <laughs> um, so I really got into this because I wanted to create positive messages for women that even before we reach that goal, we have confidence in our commitment to ourselves that no matter what we can do what we set out to do and we can create our own version of being healthy, of being fit. It doesn't need to be a size zero or a size two with tons of calorie restriction, super intense workouts and feeling like you're deprived and constantly on a diet. It can strike a balance so that you actually enjoy eating healthy because it makes you feel good. You can have your treats and unhealthy foods and not feel bad about it. You can celebrate life without feeling like, you know, you're emotionally binge eating or in some cases drinking excess alcohol, which is making people not happy with their bodies and their overall energy. So there's really a way to go about doing this that combines what I like to say, the masculine energy, which is like the do, the fix, the solve, the check things off with the feminine energy, which is the, how am I feeling? Each day is different. How can I relax more and do what feels best for me instead of just following that plan to a T? Yeah. So then how do you uh, manage the process from getting from point A, you know, person comes in your door, they have these goals, they have those, maybe the right motivation, or maybe they haven't discovered their, either their goal or their motivation yet. Right. How do you get from point A to point B? What is the best process in your experience? Yeah, that's a great question. So what I like to start off with is, you know, I always say we're going to start in Negativeville. Like, where did all these negative, you know, bad and quotes have come from? Um, where did these bad habits come from? How long have you been doing them? What are your defaults? What's your go-to? What's actually contributed to the weight gain or to your unhappiness? So kind of excavating that. And that way I have this, you know, kind of uh, bigger lens in, through which I can see them to look out for if these things start happening during our time together. And then secondly, we go into Positiveville. So, okay, let's pretend like we've already lost those five pounds or 50 pounds. What do you look like? What do you see when you look in the mirror? How do you feel when you wake up in the morning? How do you feel when you're surrounded by all this junk food? You feel in control. You feel empowered. You feel like it's not just taking hold of you. How do you feel when you come home from a long day of work? 
Do you run straight to pour yourself a glass of wine? Or do you sit down and do some stretches and meditation or maybe go for a walk around the block to disconnect your work from your personal life? How do you want to see yourself? How do you want to feel? What things do you want to hear people saying to you? Like, oh, you look great. You look strong. I love how muscular your arms are. You know, whatever whatever it is, we got to paint that picture so that we can see it, believe it, achieve it. Because if we don't know where we're going and how that's going to look and feel, it's, it's really like, you know, we're driving around the country in Canada and we don't know if we're going north, south, east, or west. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that happens a lot in Canada, trust me, especially when yeah. I'm driving. <laughs> um, uh, now, tell me, let's talk about recovery. Uh, because I work out as often as I can, and I've had various trainers over the years. Uh, and one in particular uh, used to tell me all the time how you're going in and, and, and working out, sometimes really heavily, uh, and you're injuring yourself in a way, not in the, in the literal way, you know, you're knowing your limits, right. but by definition, you're injuring your muscles, that the growth, that the, re- the growth happens in the recovery period, in the rest and the repair and the self-care. Um, so how do you yeah. manage uh, uh, educating your clients on self-care and what does your own self-care look like? Mm-hmm. I love that you bring this up, Mark, because so for many of my clients, you know, they're, they're women and they're aging and, you know, we've got tons of stress. And when the stress levels are elevated, the cortisol levels are high, we're most likely storing fat around the midsection. Sometimes the last thing that my clients need is a super high intensity, you know, kick butt workout. Sometimes they need to do a yoga and Pilates regimen, you know, for weeks at a time to help reduce the cortisol levels so that their body can let go of and release fat and get the scale to move. So if you are someone that is not seeing results with super intense workouts, either give yourself more rest days. I recommend starting off with three days a week of intense workouts and then resting for four. On those rest days, you can do light stretching, you can go for a walk, but really allowing yourself time for those muscles to rebuild and repair is critical and crucial to not overtaxing your body. But secondly, if you're finding that those intense workouts a few times a week aren't making a dent, instead of going up to do five or six times a week, let's lessen the pace of those workouts. Let's do some steady cardio work or let's, again, go for a daily walk. Or maybe we will do that Pilates or that yoga. But we need to remember that part of weight loss and part of self-care does include trying to sleep for seven or eight hours a night. It does include, you know, clearing your mind, whether it's prayer, meditation, deep breathing, And it also includes fun. What are some things that make you feel happy and make you feel good? We have to remember that those are, if not as important, almost as important as workouts themselves. Stephanie Mansour, I could talk to you forever. You're a health and fitness expert, host of Step It Up with Steph on American Public Television, the monthly fitness contributor for the Today Show. Thank you so much for being with us on Living Well today. Thank you, Mark. I look forward to riding in your car and getting lost sometime. You're listening to Living Well. I'm your host, Mark Hennick. Many thanks to Stephanie Mansour for that fun conversation that we had. We're almost out of time here, but before I let you go, I want to touch base quickly with just one more person. Laurie Deacon is Senior Director of Strategic Partnerships and Practice Excellence for LifeWorks. Laurie, thanks for stopping by today. Thank you for having me. Now, LifeWorks has a service that you're calling Influence Care. Tell me more about what that is and how people might be able to improve not only their mental health, but their physical health as well. 
Absolutely. Um, so Influence Care is a great service that we offer um, to bridge the gap essentially between the public system and the private system and have access to psychiatrists. Um, so part of this service is really to ensure that people who are struggling from a mental health perspective, and we know there's been a lot of that happening from a pandemic perspective and even before that, um, to come in and play the role of an attending psychiatrist for one session, to come in, evaluate what your restrictions and limitations are, to evaluate whether you can continue working, whether you are able to return to work if you've been off of work, to establish if there's any non-medical barriers and also to explore our daily functioning. So they go in and do this assessment for about an hour from a virtual perspective because we're in a virtual world. Um, they go ahead and do that and they're able to um, give a report for treatment recommendations that are usually medication-based and also uh, recommendations for psychotherapy afterwards. So it's this great service that kind of jettisons in to make sure that we support someone and send that information to their attending physician afterwards so that the attending physician has something, some sort of meat to go on to and make sure that they can actually manage their employee's health or their patient's health. Oh, that sounds incredibly convenient and useful. So how can people get, uh, how can people get access to this service? For sure. So right now, um, having access to this service is through your employer. So we have different partnerships with different employers where um, we are actually set up to be um, their provider from an influence care perspective. Typically, it's attached to a disability management case, but we actually do have ad hoc services as well. So if this is something that employers are interested in offering to their employees to help them on their mental health journey, then we're definitely there to help them in that regard. Wonderful. Laurie Deacon is Senior Director of Strategic Partnerships and Practice Excellence for LifeWorks. Thanks so much for being here, Laurie. Well, thank you so much for having me. That's all the time we have this week for Living Well. Many thanks to Lynn Keen, Stephanie Mansour, and Laurie Deacon for speaking with me today. Make sure that you like and subscribe to the show wherever you're listening or watching. YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else. You can go back and check out all of the episodes from our three seasons so far on any of those platforms, as well as at livingwellpod.com. You can connect with me on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube, at Mark Hennick, to let me know what you think. Thank you for spending some of your time with me today. I've been your host, Mark Hennick. Until next time, take care and live well.